Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Casual Tryout Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week we're talking all things ring and then maybe some like deck building stuff if we uh, if we get there. Yeah, they kind of roll into each other a little bit, so it's uh, a, little. a little bit of a natural segue we're going to use. But yeah, talk about the ring a little bit, talk about some some deck building stuff a little bit and see where we end up. A little so, bit, little bit different than what we've been doing recently. Yeah, thought we'd get back to our roots a little bit and talk yeah. and talk a little bit of like cards and strategy here. Yeah. So if you have ideas for show ideas that don't revolve around circular golden bands or <laughs> um, anything like that, we are in the uh, no more standard or pioneer legal sets for the foreseeable future part of uh, Magic. Yeah, so, the doldrums. The doldrums. So get at us on social media. All those links are in the description. So get in there, say hey, and let us know what you want to hear about. Yeah, ask us questions. If you got a good one, or I mean, regardless, we'll answer it. But if you got a good one, we'll uh, we'll make an episode out of it. So yeah. hit us up. Um, yeah, if you want to help the show out, if you appreciate what we do, there's a couple different ways you can do it. The first is with our TCG Player affiliate link casualtryhard.com slash tcg you can follow that on over to tcg player and if you want to buy some 13 dollars nazgul's or 65 dollars one rings uh head over there use this link and you'll help support the show at the same time doesn't cost you guys anything extra and it keeps our bills paid which is what we're aiming for here we'd appreciate it break even clickety clack clickety clack clickety clack <laughs> um if you want to support us more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Uh, we do have a new patron. I don't know Ooh. if you noticed that or not. But, I did uh, not. yeah. I disappeared. Um, yeah, you disappeared. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that while we're recording. Uh, let's bring you back. That's all right. There you go. There you go. Yay, I'm back. All right. You're back. Yeah, we have a new patron. Um, I tried, I was just trying to look his name up. That's why you disappeared. Probably shouldn't do that. You can, you can disappear uh, me again. It's fine. No. Well, thanks to our new patron. We really yes. appreciate it. We'll look you up next time. I made the show <laughs> notes. So, and I don't usually go on the Patreon. So, yeah. So you will get a shout out next week. Promise. But thank you. Um, if you want to join in with our newest patron and support the show more directly, uh, like I said, patreon.com slash casual MTG patrons get access to our show notes. So you kind of get a sneak peek about what the upcoming week's episode is going to be about. Uh, patrons also get about another hour's worth of content out of us. Um, it's nothing super spectacular. It's just kind of us catching up. Sometimes we talk about magic. Sometimes we talk about the show. Sometimes we're just catching up. Uh, today's pre-show was kind of all over the place. Um, the intersection see- of baby and magic. Yeah. And an explosive combination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you want to see where, where else we went during the pre-show, you can chip a couple bucks in, help support the show, and you will also get put on our mailing list for when I have some cool stuff to send out to you guys. Roughly every other month, I send out some uh, tokens of our appreciation uh, just to show how much it means for your support. So if you want to get included in any of that, or if you just think we do a really good job and you want to support the show, patreon.com slash casual MTG. Hook us up. Yes. Please, please. Yeah. All right. So um, 
first off off the show note script real quick uh we uh jane's pointed this out in just after the pre-show uh nazgul if you've opened any mm-hmm. they are apparently ten dollars a pop yeah so they're an uncommon from lord of the rings and if you're not about nazgul tribal it <laughs> might be it might be time to make them go away yeah like i'm not sure what the price is going to do in the future i know yeah like that's getting massively open with people chasing the one ring um but also like you don't know how many of those people are actually going to try and move these cards like if you've got somebody that's you know opening uh booster boxes of hockey cards on the regular and they decide they get they're you know all caught up in this hype and they want to chase the one ring like they might not have any idea that uncommons have any value yeah so like some of that might play into this where you know some of those cards might not ever hit the market um also kind of like i don't know if it was in the pre-show or between the pre-show and the show but because there's nine different versions of the nazgul like each individual version is rarer than a rare even though it's an uncommon yeah um, which might keep the price high so but yeah keep an eye on them yeah because at ten dollars a piece for an uncommon it's usually pretty good yeah now this is gonna be maybe special but something to yeah keep in and mind. this this is also kind of a special occasion set where you're gonna have you know strictly collectors that are like really into lord of the rings mm-hmm. will likely buy into some of these singles as well yeah and it does they do kind of fall into the hard to reprint category yeah right like basically impossible to reprint unless you're gonna print them with a new name yeah and like the ring tempts you as the mechanic on them right and like i don't know how long wizards has this ip for you know what i mean like that they can reprint them as this as this form right i mean I, i would assume not that long like only until the print run's done yeah probably I, I can't imagine them. Maybe they got so like we could reprint these in the future, but that seems like an awful lot for yeah. the Lord of the Rings people to give up. Right. All right. Especially when they're like reportedly as tight with their IP as they are. Yes. It's like, the- I didn't realize this, but I was listening to listening to uh, Lord of the Rings podcast last week or the week before, I think just randomly as you know, it's not something that I, usually go out of my way to listen to, but they were talking about the Netflix show or the Amazon show. Yeah. And I guess like, despite the show being set in the second age, whatever licensing agreement that Amazon had with the Tolkien estate didn't include any of the books set in the second age. They just like had access to like, the concept of like elves and orcs and a ring. They had access to what was in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think. And that, that is it. Okay. So all of the stuff that they're talking about in the second age, I guess is pulled out of like one of the appendices from the trilogy. Oh, jeez. Instead of like the actual books that are in the second age. So did <laughs> and like that's part, part of why like there, this is, somebody's recreation or reimagining of whatever yeah i did like some intern like just like get the wrong stuff 
Like, that I seems have, or, or maybe the price was too high. Yeah, like, maybe. maybe. Maybe the Tolkien estate is hoping somebody's going to come out and do like the next blockbuster about the, the second age instead of the trilogy. Yeah, so maybe. Price tag is through the roof and Amazon couldn't afford it or didn't want to afford it. Didn't want to afford it, yeah. Uh, weird. I know that they are like historically tight with their IP yeah. and like yeah. they're not going to like let wizards do whatever they want with these. Right. So um, I wanted to talk about uh, the one ring to rule modern. Yeah. Um, so it's a weird card uh, to kind of evaluate. Like we've never seen like you have protection from everything before, but the card in, um, in practice kind of plays like a time walk. Yeah. Oddly enough. Right. You play it, you know, you're getting another turn. And you're getting to draw three cards. It's a four yep. mana, 100% get a, get a turn, unless, uh, 100% get a turn, and draw three cards and take a damage. Which right. is, um, checks notes, very good. <laughs> Colorless. Colorless. Yeah. And so... Touchable with Karn. Yes. Uh, I've been... Now my my uh opinion may be a little uh kind of skewed because I've been watching a reasonable amount of aspiring spike content. Mm -hmm. And uh he is convinced that the ring is completely and utterly broken yep. and it's just putting the ring in random things and it looks good every time. <laughs> well, I mean that's a uh hallmark of a broken card and um uh he has i actually went and bought the cards for eight key the cards i was okay. missing because it has eight voltaic keys in it and uh then you get to untap your ring a bunch yeah you do see them draw like eight cards or something in a single turn yeah or seven cards just like boop 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 and then use like power conduit to then take the counters off of the one ring. Oh, so it, so plays it doesn't kind deal of like damage dice or whatever. Yeah, it, it's it's dice factory with the one ring. Yeah, uh, and like Karn to go get whatever you need. Like he gets like walking blister to kill people. Yeah, um, and has like a magistrate scepter uh, in the board. So yeah, goes in like. And I was like, well, that's really good that he was playing it in, like, four-color Omnath. Oh, that's really good. Like, he's just kind of <laughs> good, like, everywhere. Against yeah. Living End, he had, like, three of them in his hand, and just every turn he was, like, draw three cards, play another one ring, and they couldn't kill him. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, this is, this is a problem. So yeah. it is kind of just a time lock that costs four mana. And like, I guess if we would have read this as four mana, four mana, take an extra turn after your opponent takes their turn. Like, yeah. but like, you know, you're taking an extra turn. Like it, it has to come back and yeah. draw three cards. We might've evaluated it differently. And yeah, so it's weird though, because typically with time walk spells and with things that we consider a time walk, there's like a, a tempo advantage that you mm -hmm. gain by taking your extra turn and 
this is kind of the opposite, which I think is why at least I didn't see it as a time walk because you don't, you don't get the tempo here. Like your opponent still gets their turn. They get their draw step, they get their land drop, they get to cast their spells, they get mm-hmm. to do whatever they're going to do. Um, you're not taking that tempo from them. Yes. I think the the difference here is you get to draw so many cards with it so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That it like, cause like it's four mana draw three cards. Mm. When's it in like, that's, we don't get that. We, we don't get that. And then if there's a uh, rain of revelation, is that four mana draw three cards? I think you then discard a card. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, so it is played very, very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I, the video hasn't come up. I'm kind of interested to see it. He was going to try it in like mono green devotion, basically the, uh, yeah. the pioneer deck, like just untapping it with Kiora. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's like, oh, I ramped it out. Now I get to untap it with my Kiora and draw a million cards. And I have a Nick though. So like, I'm going to have right a million mana to use all of these cards. Right, yeah. like that was, that, that's what was good about the Dice Factory deck, was you just had so much mana that you were like, I want to draw as many cards as I humanly can, because yeah. I'm just going to be able to use all of them. It also played a Paradox Engine in the board. So then you, like, tap all your stupid Astral Cornucopias and yeah. uh, whatever. Put a bunch of mana and then yeah. untap everything, yeah, including ever, your one ring. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I'll draw, like, six cards or... Or yep. whatever, and it's just like, oh, then I can use all this mana and just like snowball the game that way. Yeah. So, but it's it is interesting. Uh, I have to update the, the show notes a little bit. I went and checked again today because I made this from memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the price on TCG Player for a One Ring was in the neighborhood of thirty dollars on um, Saturday, mm-hmm. and. It is now up to $65 now uh, as of Monday as we are recording. Yep. I don't know if it is that price is sustainable, but it is kind of showing like they, they were 60 before release, then yep. they cratered to 30 and it's just a U right back up. Yeah. And so that is, um, you know, indicative of, a lot of excitement around the card. Yeah. Right. And like, if it's as good as you're saying, like the, the, as, like that aside, all of the things that it has going for it are things that are going to make it, um, expensive. It's colorless. So it goes mm-hmm. in every deck that's not planning on ending the game on turn four or five. Um, it's powerful enough because it draws cards that it will see play in places like, commander legacy whatever mm-hmm. um so being like having multi-format appeal and being colorless to go in like a bunch of different decks plus the collectability of everything um i don't know we were kind of spitballing a little bit before the show on where the price might end up and i, I don't know i really don't know i don't know if it's going to tank because people are open in so much product I don't know if it's going to hold its value. I, I, I really have no idea. I I think it's too volatile for me to, to make a prediction you on. You did raise a very interesting point that, like, at big box retailers, you can buy the bundle and get yeah. the full art 
the One Ring for $65. Which is market well, for, price, foil. Yeah, which is yeah. basically market price for uh, the One Ring now. So, yeah. like, that kind of feels like a cap, at least in the short term. Right. That, like, every bundle, however many of them there are in the world, has a The One Ring in it. Right. So, like, how expensive can this It's a weird get? sentence. Every bundle has a The One Ring. <laughs> it's like, has a The Dark Booster Box. <laughs> hey, we, we, we did it. Wait, that's right. Also, um, you can also kind of compare The One Ring to Necro. Oh, yeah. So, like, your first... Honestly, fir- it's kind of better than Necro. It is better than Necro, right? Like, you get yeah. the cards right away. You also get your draw step. So you play the one ring, and then on their end step, you draw your first card. Yeah. Then you take a damage. Then you immediately draw two more. So you're up to three. Then you draw your card for turn, four, and you paid right. one life. Where to get, like, four cards with Necro it was, like, on the layaway plan... For life. And for life. Yeah. And like this is just kind you of. You couldn't a... even use them like before you went to discard. Like. Yeah. You like, got them in your end step and then had to discard. <laughs> yes. This you're like on my upkeep. Yeah. Get two. Like on your end step, get a card. On my upkeep, get two. Yeah. So you see four cards for one life when right. you play it. So it's kind of like a weird like necro super fog and the super fog lets you like time walk your opponent wow that that is like kind of putting this into perspective like necro's banned everywhere yes. it has been banned everywhere yes like just too good for the game yeah and, and uh, this is kind here comes of the one ring that's like kind of colorless necro and necro rolled into an artifact yeah i wish i would have like put all this together like before so, like, I, I think they were pre-ordering for, like, 40, yeah. which, like, I don't know. I have a hard time buying pre-order cards for, like, for 40, $40, yeah. right? Because, like... No, my, you, my pre-orders, I like to I like to spend cents on. Yes. Like, you, you've... Because we've definitely seen the, like, you know, going way, 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 way back. Um, Sarkin, the five-mana Sarkin from Kant. Yeah. That was, like, pre-ordering for, like, $30. Or something, or more, and then, think, yeah. or maybe forty, and then, Soren Solemn Visitor, that yeah. like after pre-release, Sarkin's tanked and Soren's went like way up. Yeah, right. Like if you were on the Soren pre-order plan, like you did it. Good job. But if you're on the Sarkin pre-order plan, you got annihilated. That card saw no play. Right. And it's just like, oh, well. Like, that's just a hard risk to take. I mean, I guess recently, like, Leyline Binding ended up being a good pre-order. Mm-hmm. But then you get other things that are just like, oh, God, no one's playing this. Yeah. I spent $40 uh, on Fa- this. Fable was a good pre-order. Fable was a good pre-order. Yeah. Fable had, like, a couple, like, a week or two before it, like, lost its mind. Yeah. Field of the Dead was also a good pre-order. Yeah, show off. Uh, <laughs> but, um... So, yeah, and it also uh, won a modern challenge this weekend, the One Ring. What kind of show was it in? It was some... Did I have it up and then I, like, take, took it down? I forget. It. They were playing um, Delighted Halfling. Uh, 
just to ramp it out or were they like on I think some other kind of ramp plan or uh this is where's the most recent one looking uh this is no these are two oh no might it's this one no this is the challenge from the 18th which was not yeah it was too long ago that was too long ago they don't have the at least EtherHub does not have them up. I don't know if they're up yet. Um, uh, modern challenge from the 25th. Was this it? Because it was... Oh, this is... Oh. Okay, no, this is it. Um, Yagmoth. Oh, okay. The combo? Yeah, four Delighted Halflings, four Ignoble Hierarchs. So Delighted Halfling makes your Yagmoth uncounterable. Yep. Get wrecked. And then it had it had uh three rings in it. Nice. Uh yeah, which like And four bowmasters. Yes, and four bowmasters was the other thing. Yeah. In a Hapatra. Man. <laughs> Hapatra's been like normal tech in those decks. Has it? I guess yeah. I'm just out of touch. Yeah, it's been it's been floating around. It's like wild, right? You're just like this card was trash, but Yeah. But, like, Delighted Halfling making your one ring uncounterable. Mm-hmm. Like, turn three, one ring, like, I'm going to survive the turn, draw three cards, find right. my combo pieces. Yeah, and then my combo is also uncounterable. Yeah. Get get got. Um, no, I mean, that's a deck I can get behind. I like the looks of that. Yeah. So... Uh, so there are a couple cards of some value other than the one ring, like Orcish Bowmasters. Yeah. But not a ton. In Nazgul. In Nazgul, yes. So Rakdos Midrange, are you playing the ring? Like, uh, gosh, Spike played Mono Black with Shieldred in the one ring. <laughs> okay. I guess That's I will gross. gain a bunch of life and Lose two? Okay, fine. Tap yeah. it again. It's like super castle Lockthwain. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I like the fifth place tech. Generic Raghavan. Just generic Raghavan. Great. So, decks using the one ring. Four or five color Omnath, Mono Green Tron, Mono Green Tron, Amulet Titan. Okay. I mean, they... Those decks all kind of have, like, one thing in common. Yeah. They can make a giant amount of mana, like, right now, which then lets you use the cards, which, like, maybe that's the limitation for the one ring, but... Is it being able to use the cards? Yeah, but, like, I've played enough magic in the last, like, three or four years that, like, generating a stupid amount of mana is just, like, par for the course. It's, like, what you do in modern magic. Right. So, like, I don't think that's an actual, like, you know, limiting... Constraint. Yeah, constraint. It's just like, yeah, of course I'm going to generate, like, a ton of mana. Also, randomly, uh, is this the right list? Yes, it is. Uh, There's a new version of uh, Living End for you. Oh, yeah? 14 land Living End. Because it's playing all of the uh, cyclers. All of the land cyclers, so generous, oh, generous right. int, uh, 
Oliphant. And yep. is there another one? I think it's just this this deck that like won the challenge just has um those two. But oh uh, this one's kinda of, this one's I was gonna say kind of a weird build. Um but that Grief. people are like you're getting to play Grief and people are playing Fury. Yeah. Because now you've cut enough so someone there was one deck that had a uh, oh gosh. The red black land cycler, like the old one that used to get played in the deck, yeah. because yeah. it pitches to grief or fury. Oh, and okay. uh, next level tech architects of will pitches yep. to grief or force of negation. So right. it's playing all these like two color cyclers that pitch to multiple things. So you can play like kind of mm. this full like suite of pitch cards interesting and like you know now colossal sky turtle getting in there it's like bounce your thing yeah get back a six five that like you can't interact with easily but yeah so like they're trimming a ton of lands out of out of living end and like kind of rebuilding it so you can like you have all this stuff that pitches to everything because like a generous ent like lets you get a breeding pool lets you get your stomping ground plus you yeah. get your steam vents steam vent. sorry well not steam vents breeding pool and stomping ground and then the red one lets oh, you yeah. get stomping ground and steam vents like you get to have all of your colors yeah like is the blue one just bad because like if you don't have fury like i feel like you played the blue one over oliphant but i guess i don't know what the blue one does yeah i can't remember off the top of my head uh like I even went like uh I even like put my glasses on and like uh to to open my packs cuz you know I'm blind now. And uh uh let's see here. Do we have universes beyond? No. Uh looking on Scryfall, I was like can I just find the like uh there you go. Boop. Uh Oh, the blue ones, the blue ones, the spell. Oh, uh, that's why. Yeah, the blue ones, the spell. Though, speaking of random Lord of the Rings tech, you know what this is really good in? Hmm. Uh, blue black terror in Popper because it's oh. a cantrip that, yeah. that like makes your terrors cheaper. Yeah. Right, it's an additional cantrip that, like, also, like, oopsie poopsie can, like, get you your, uh, uh, can be a five mana draw three and also, like, can get you a blue black, uh, duel because it Mm -hmm. has its island cycling. So it's a mana fixer and, uh, like, it's like a super Ash Barons. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Fun times. Interesting. Uh, well, I yeah, guess... I'll... I mean, that Living End deck looks cool, but, I mean, it kind of has the same problem as every Graveyard deck, right? Like, what do they do against Endurance? Because they're um, playing Shardless Agent as one of their Cascaders. Mm-hmm. I mean, they left Violent Outburst so they can cycle at instant speed, but, like, you're not always going to have your Violent Outburst. Yeah, I mean, the... I know that is, like, 
a shortcoming of all the graveyard decks and kind of why I've kind of shied away from graveyard decks as of late. Yeah. But, like, Living In has kind of been, like, a tier one deck for a while. Yeah. I know it's been popular lately. It's just weird I don't know that, if it, uh... like, I don't know if it's because, like, you have this, you have, like, grief, grief subtlety and, like, force of negation where, like, you kind of have, like, a lot of the bases covered. You, like, grief them on turn three, and if they don't have the... Uh, endurance they just get got yeah or like you grief them on turn two and try to take it then like cycle your stuff and go yeah i guess also if you're on like a 14 land version like all of your cards replace themselves so even if they like shuffle your graveyard or whatever you're probably still in a pretty good spot to rebuild because you got a grip full of whatever you drew yeah and like you know, and now you have mana to do it all at once. Yeah, and like if you have, oh gosh, what is it called? Right, if you have street race and they like you hold your street yeah. race. So if you think they have endurance, you let them endurance you, and then you just like cycle three street races and just yeah. put nine power on the board and go like, is this good enough? Yeah, I'm gonna kill you in two turns. Yeah, and that might be good enough. So yeah, it was it was just interesting that they cut a bunch of lands, and I guess Oliphant is better because it. It has trample and gives something else trample. Yeah. So they just can't like chump block your striped river river winder. River, river winder. winder blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So like you just can't do that either. So like it just gives you a little bit of extra like oomph. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know about like yeah, the blue like yeah, if you could, if the blue one was a creature, it would be better just because it would like let you do a little bit more than like the ints. I mean, a five seven, like that's enough. What was that stupid? Was that jungle weaver? Like there was oh, like the, there was a lot of bad cyclers that that in, in the original deck. Yeah, like yeah. years and years and years ago. Monstrous Carabid. I think that was the one you were thinking. That's of the red earlier. black one. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, if you're playing Fury, you play that. Because yeah. it gives you more targets for more things to pitch to Fury. But yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like, it's... Yeah. You know, because... Uh, was uh, it Glass Dusk Hulk was the other one that they played sometimes? Yeah, the blue-white cycler. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, Bryant Cook released uh, a New Living End deck uh, video today. With the yeah. uh, with the cycler with the new cyclers in it, yeah. So, I I have some full art Oliphants. Ooh, yeah, or extended art, extended art commons. This is where we are in like Magic collectibles. <laughs> so like, there has been it, the set has had some impacts on modern. Has it had some impacts on some other formats? Uh, but I would like watch to see if the one ring kind of like creeps down in price. Yeah. Or, I don't know, like, go to Target.com and buy, buy some, some bundles, bundles. Yeah. if you really want the ring. Yeah. And you said there's a gift bundle coming out, because there are two bundle versions of the ring. There's a foil and a non-foil version. Yeah, I had, back when we were talking about the one-of-one one ring, mm-hmm. um, I had mentioned the gift bundles then, I think. They come mm-hmm. out July 7th, maybe. Okay. And how, like, maybe if Wizards has an inkling on where the one-of-one ring is, 
it might be in their best interest to put it in a gift bundle. Um, but yeah, they're coming out later on, and I think they have a collector. Bo- they, well, they have a collector booster in them. That's why why we were talking about them previously. Yes, uh, the release date for the gift booster is yeah july 7th look at you we just talked about it that's why i knew so good very impressive yeah um yeah so is that promo the same just foil i'm looking uh it says so this is the gift bundle that i'm on amazon and it says it's foil as well so like TCG player lists or, or Card Kingdom lists a non-foil bundle card, hmm. and I don't know what is in it. Where you're getting it from? Yeah, where that non-foil like bundle promo comes from. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah, the the collect that booster does come with like a collector booster, the gift yeah. bundle. I mean, I mean, how much more are they gonna be at like? You know, your, uh, well, on Amazon, they're $200 a pop. Uh, the gift bundles are? Yeah. But, like, at, like, Target, how much more are they going to be? Like, are they going to be, like, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, it said $85 yeah, on so the website. Yeah, so for, like, $85, like, you know, it's, it's the ring plus, uh. Seven set boosters and a collector booster. Yeah, so like if you're really like Jones in for uh you know the the uh one of run ring sweat. Yeah. Right, like this could be the way to go. Get your get your the one ring and then get your like, one of one ring. And then hopefully get your the one of one ring. Yeah. Well, so. I mean like I said it I think it makes I think it makes sense that it would be in a in a bundle. Yeah. And Nobody's come forward yet, so no, no one reputable has come forward after the like initial crush of like, look what I got. Yeah, and it's like I think it says <laughs> wish dot com in the corner. Did you see? Uh, I think I think it was Caleb Deed that is short. Did you see that? No, he was opening up boosters like on a stream or something, and said like he's like, oh my god, the one of one ring, and like drops the cards in his hand and goes, hang on, let me pick this up. And comes back and you hear him like uncap a pen and like scribble, scribble, scribble. And he holds it up and it's like the one of one ring like written across like an island or something. Nice. Oh, that was pretty funny. So Making I, fun of all the people posting fakes. I know that you are, you know, you've been in a weird spot with magic, but yeah. I do have a bunch of cool basic lands from this set and from a previous set like in a stack. That one yeah. day I will remember them and see you, and I will give they you got a, my name on them. Yes, and give you the stack of like basic lands that you will like. Awesome, uh, I do like pretty basic lands. So, uh, I th- I thought the podcast wasn't recording for a second, but no, I, was, oh. I, just, I just I just brought up the pre-show that was stopped, and I was like, why is this recording? It's like it's oh. the pre-show. Look, right. We're recording on my end, so even if you lost your audio, <laughs> we're good. We're mind. good. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's really awkward. Like you mentioned that, and I, I've been kind of torn because yeah. I'm kind kind of a Lord of the Rings nut. So I, I've I've been good so far. I've been holding my ground, but I'm kind of torn here. I also like the Horde sealed product, and this is like the perfect set to Horde sealed product for. It is. It is. 
All right. So, um, the other thing, like, I wanted to talk about that has just been kind of, like, uh, floating around my head uh, with my play is kind of adapting your deck to Mm -hmm. the metagame. Yeah, and the reason, like I mentioned in the pre-show, that our one-ring discussion kind of naturally segues into this is because the meta is currently changing. So if you're playing modern and you're starting to see the one ring everywhere, maybe some of these things that we have here can, uh, can help you metagame for it. Yeah. So, right. Like, you know, it's pretty obvious that like as different cards get played, it changes the value of other cards. Right. right. So if we're talking like as a game piece, not as, as like yes. a $5 card. Yes. As a game yeah. piece. So for example, um, Right, if the one ring is getting played everywhere, your red artifact removal spell can't be a braid because right. it can't kill the one ring. There's, I forget the name of the card from the set. It's like one in the red, exile an artifact. It's like, is it like cast into the fire or something. Yeah. And then deal one damage divided, two damage divided any way you want among like one to two targets. So it's kind of like, a braid light or like a braid with like fire attached to it, yeah. but it exiles. So like if the, if indestructible, the one ring is everywhere, mm-hmm. that card becomes way more valuable than a braid. Yeah. If it's job in your sideboard is kill an artifact and then, Oh, it has the upside. It can get a creature every so often. Mm-hmm. This kind of has the same upside. Uh, so like those kind of things change. I kind of went through some like lists of things that like kind of show that, right? So like as a card or a type of card goes up in play, then the cards that answer that go need to go up in play as well. Yeah. And like they're worth like you you mentioned value. They're worth more. They're worth more. So some examples yeah. like so recent would be uh, Shieldred, right? So as Shieldred has kind of, or kind of took over Standard mm-hmm. and has also seen its way into older formats, um, a card like Destroy Evil goes up in value, right? If, right. like, you're playing Mono White or some white-based deck that, like, needs a way to kill a Shieldred, right? And you're like, I don't care about other things, I just need to kill a Shieldred, Mm-hmm. Right, like destroy evil, kills the shieldred, answer, answers that problem. Uh, like kind of like a fateful absence would, but then also yeah. gives you the flexibility of can get an enchantment if need be. Mm-hmm. But like destroy evil, if shieldred was a was a three three, destroy evil wouldn't see play. Right, it's right. mainly seeing play because it's two mana destroy a shieldred give them no value Mm -hmm. and a lot of decks need that so going back in time a little bit nissa who shakes the world versed uh was was everywhere and then that meant that tomic distinguished advocate or uh sorry ad what yeah what advocates whatever uh saw play that was like white white for a two three flyer that uh Lands couldn't be the target of spells or abilities. And then other texts. Kind of turned off Nissa. Kind of turned off Nissa. But like if Nissa wasn't in like 
every other deck, you wouldn't that card wouldn't have been seeing like it even saw some main deck play for a while because it wasn't like embarrassing as a yeah. creature. Yeah, two but, mana, two three is pretty good. Two three flyer. Yeah. But like then if your opponent was just like randomly like playing Nissa, you just had main deck hose yeah. for it. Um you mentioned something interesting when you were talking about Shield Red and Destroy Evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something that you're gonna like we said earlier, you you kinda set up these notes, so I don't know if it's something that you were planning on touching on later. Um if it is, stop me and we'll talk okay. about it later. But um you said something about killing it before it gets value. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing to keep in mind also when you're looking at like putting in some of these other cards. Like just because just because the thing kills the thing doesn't mean it's the best answer. Because if the thing still gives all of its value, like you're still down on that transaction. So like Shieldred's awkward in that like it doesn't have an ETB, so you can get right. it in, like, the upkeep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if you had a really great sorcery speed answer, right, you never yeah. have the ability to just get it before they, like, hit you for two. Right. And, like, if your mono, say you're mono white, right, mono white aggro, you don't care about taking a hit for two against, like, a black mid-range deck. Right. Right, like, whatever, who cares? You just need to kill the thing. But, like, those turns where you, like, pass and you haven't used your mana, and they play it, and you have the instant that lets you use, like, better use your mana. But, uh, yeah, I don't... uh, So, if you can avoid them getting value, great. But, like, a lot of times it's just, like, what is the most efficient answer for this, I think. I think Mm -hmm. it matters on, like, how backbreaking the card is. And that's something we'll talk about later. Yeah, like, they kind of overlap, though. Yeah. efficiency and like value overlap to some extent like if something's efficient enough like it's okay for them to get value just because it's so efficient Mm -hmm. but on the flip side if the thing negates the thing in the best way possible it's also sometimes okay for it to be more expensive yeah i mean like like stern proctor or like oh gosh hushbringer yeah right like a bunch of creatures have ETB abilities, and if there's, like, a creature or a permanent that has an ETB ability that, like, kills you all the time... Yeah. Right? Like, you can bring those in and take care of it. Right. Though, like, Elish Norn is, like, the best version of that. <laughs> though she is five mana. Right? Um, but, like, if you're like, oh, I have to deal with a creature that has an ETB, like, I always lose to, like, four mana Omnath. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you could play Hushbringer. You could play Sturm Proctor. Mm-hmm. You could ramp into Elish Norn. And, like, that takes care of your whole problem as opposed to, like, Destroy Evil right. can kill a Shieldred, but it can also kill an Elish Norn or an Omnath. Yeah. So, like, it's a um, little bit more flexible. Well, this is... I think we're also going to talk about this in a little bit, but I'm going to bring it up now because it's kind of on the same topic is Aethergust. Mm-hmm. Like one of the reasons Aethergust was such a good answer in its time was because it stopped everything. Mm-hmm. Because you interacted with the thing on the stack, um, your opponent never got the value off of it when you deployed your answer. Yeah. So I mean, like Aethergust is kind of like the the super counter spell. 
yeah. in that like the downside of a counterspell is they've resolved their thing mm-hmm. and then you draw the counterspell and you're like, oh man. Aether Gust, you're like, I can still put that thing on top and not die to it. Right. Right? Like it just kind of does everything. So going back a little bit more recently, uh Oko and Questing Beast, right? Oh yeah. Made Aether Gust like a five dollar uncommon at uh yeah. that one GP. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe it was more than that. Right. And Aether Gust was like a main deckable card. Because right. there were so it was many more than that. I think it was like seven. Because <laughs> there were so many blue and green decks. Like that... all of them, yeah. Yes. That Aether Gust is just something you could play in your main deck and just get people. Yeah. And like the other deck was like black red sack. Mm-hmm. So like that also just took care of the problems. It just right. kind of did everything. So like, if Oko and Questing Beast weren't as, weren't as good as they were, then Aether Gust wouldn't have been as good. Mm-hmm. And then to and go like kind of on my point is like both of those cards come in and get their value. Mm-hmm. Like Questy Beast will connect once probably. Oko gets to tick up once probably. Um, and the reason that Aether Gust was such a good answer is it because it could interact on the stack before they resolved. Yeah. Um, and then we go super old school, uh, like old school affinity, mm-hmm. like cranial plating and all that fun stuff. And then that meant that like Stony Silence was playable. Yeah. Like Stony Silence sees like no play in modern now. Now, granted, there is Collector Oof, but mm-hmm. like you. Collector Oof doesn't see a ton of play either because, right. like, the artifact decks aren't as big a part of the format. There was a time in Modern where, like, if you were the Tron player, before a big event, you wanted, like, you know, Tron to have not been, not done well the previous, like, two weeks. Yeah. Because then people would be like, oh, no one's playing Tron. Tron sucks. I'm going to cut, like, my land destruction. And then Tron would win a tournament. Right. Or you wanted Affinity to do bad for two or three weeks in a row, and then people cut their Affinity hate, yeah. and then Affinity would run away with the tournament. Right? Yeah, hey, I wonder if uh, Stony Silence or Collector Roof are going to come back around now that the One Ring's everywhere. It definitely could. It definitely could. Like especially yeah, I mean, like it kind of turns the One Ring into a liability. It does. I mean, you do get the protection from everything. You still get like the pseudo time lock ish thing. Or at least, right. like, the guarantee of another turn. But, yeah. yeah, it does make things more difficult. But, like, I think Collector... I, I think those cards are worse now, because, like... Right, like, if... Oh, what is it called? If uh, Stony Silence becomes a big deal, you just play, like, a couple of Pesages in your main deck. Yeah. Oh, and then you have true. an answer. And, like... Oof gets swept up by Fury and Solitude. Fury and, and Solitude, and just, like, yeah. you know... We're still a lightning bolt format. Right. Right. So, like, those cards are still, like, pretty decent. So, it's harder. Like, before it used to be, like, here's my enchantment. And they were all, like, I can't deal with your enchantment. Yeah. Oh, but Seiju does not get the one ring. Oh, indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. A spike was streaming and, and his opponent Besejud it. And he, like, still gets the land, though, right? It does. Yeah. So. And his opponent in the chat just wrote, God, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, didn't, uh, was it fade into antiquity? Didn't that see play at one point? 
Uh, yeah, there was like that, and then there was like, was it Unravel the Aether, the one that shuffled an artifact or enchantment into your deck? Oh, I think that's the one I was thinking of. What's Fade into Antiquity? I think Fade into Antiquity is like three mana exile an artifact or enchantment. Oh, okay. Let's see here. Oh, fade into Antiquity. How do we do? This is from Theris. Maybe you're right. Uh, no, yeah, Fade into Antiquity, exile, target artifact or enchantment. I was thinking of a different card that does the same thing from a more recent set. Okay. And then Unravel... There you go. Unravel the Aether. Boop. Yep. Uh, this is two mana from Born of the Gods. Choose target artifact or enchantment. Its owner shuffles it into his or her library. Yeah. So just puts it away. Yep. Um, for them to 100% draw it the next turn. <laughs> 100%. Always. Always. How is this on top? Explain. <laughs> um. But yeah, like if the one ring goes is everywhere, right? Like now things like unravel the aether, where you're just like, I just need that to go away, right? Right. So they have they have protection from everything, but none of their none of their stuff does. So like Correct. the planeswalkers can still die and things like that. So, like, you know, I gave some examples of like one card getting played that like raises the value of other cards, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you like know? how to adapt your deck. And there's two ways that we can kind of think about this. There's like, and they're not like mutually exclusive. Like yeah. they, you kind of do them in concert, but there's theory crafting and then there's play testing. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about theory crafting. If you go like way, way, way back, gosh, like two, three years. Hey, oh. There's some gold in those old episodes. If you guys uh, haven't li- listened to our back catalog, highly yeah. recommend it. So before we went to GP Atlanta, mm-hmm. right, like uh, to play Legacy, a format that like it's hard to just get like tons of reps with. Right. Right. Especially like if you are not um, super savvy with Moto. Right. And, uh, you know, whatever. So like we just went through and we were like, what are the top decks? How do we want to like approach each deck? Yep. What what cards we want in each matchup? What cards can like t- pull double duty across these different matchups? Like oh, like Liliana's good against like Death and Taxes, or Liliana the last hope is good against Death and Taxes, but also like if you implement against Miracles, they can never beat you. Right. Right. Like okay, like now we've got like that card pulls double duty. So we went through just like every deck and try to like uh um look at the most popular decks and then figure out like how we could approach them mm-hmm. now there's something you have to like be willing to do and then it's like look at a matchup and say like hey is this matchup difficult because of like a single card or like their cyborg plan that i have to address or is this matchup difficult because fundamentally my deck and what it's doing does not line up with their deck and what it's yeah. doing. Right. So the example I used was uh death and taxes versus uh, dark depths. Right. Yeah. Something so near and dear to your heart. That, uh, that matchup was hot garbage uh, before solitude. Yeah. And now they have like, eight swords to plowshares main deck plus Caracas, right? Like 
fundamentally what that deck is doing lines up very well against what my deck is trying to do, which is make one big threat. And they're mm-hmm. like, I have 10 answers to one big threat in my main deck, and I forgot to count the flicker whips, so I really have like 14 <laughs> main deck answers to your stupid thing. Oh, wait, Palace Jailer. So, like, I just have infinite, they have infinite answers. Wasteland. They have infinite yeah. answers to what uh, Dark Depths is trying to do. There's no amount of cards that you can have in your sideboard <laughs> that makes that matchup good. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's not really worth spending a bunch of time trying to, like, take that matchup from, like, a 30% matchup to, like, a 35% matchup. Right. Or, like, a 15% matchup to a 25% matchup. You're still getting buried, like, every time your opponent goes, like, Plains Mom. Yeah. Right, probably not worth the putting side sideboard slots to right. just take your L. Yeah, like you can definitely have a sideboard plan where mm-hmm. you have other cards that are in your deck because they're good against miracles. They're good against other right. deck, and they also well, happen like you said cards that play double duty. Yeah, but they also happen to be good against death and taxes. But right. like you can't be like I've got fifteen cards for death and taxes, and then I hope that they like are good elsewhere. Like. If you think you're going to a tournament where, like, a third of the field's on death and taxes, maybe you should just not play Dark Depths. Right. Right? It hurts, but you just have to be like, you know what? No, I can't play Dark Depths into, like, everyone having a quarter of their deck just beat me. Right. So I'm not going to do that to myself. Um, right? So there are just times where you, like, ignore a matchup. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know. Jund and Tron. Jund and Tron, you're just like, you know what? I'll have some full Raider Mages in here for some other matchup, but I'll bring him in. Yeah. But I'm not going to really They're good like at killing uh, Celestial Colonnades. Yeah, they kill Colonnades. Well, a blast from the past. Is it, they, you, can get a, <laughs> you can get a Valakut. Yeah. Right? You can get something with them. Yep. But, like, there's not, like, a huge reason to be like, well, I've got eight cards for Tron. And then I only have, like, seven cards for the rest of the field. It's like, in my Tron matchup, we'll get to still below 50%. We did it. Yep. So, like... 43 to 47. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, when you look at your, like, be honest and be like, is this, like, the problem of a few cards? Or, like, their cyborg plan that I can, like, adjust and juke to? Or is it, like, oh, man, just our two decks like don't line up well, right? We've right. all like sat down to like play a matchup and it's just like, oh, this is a buy. This yeah. like doesn't matter. Right? Like I'm going to win this match or like, oh, I can never win. Right? And it's like those ones that you're like, oh, I can never win, like don't try. Like try to beat the other like five decks you're gonna play that day. Yeah, I mean you can't be prepared for absolutely everything. Yeah. So like I said, like are your issues so if they if it's not a fundamental thing then what are the addressable issues right mm-hmm. what are the cards you have to worry about so like i used you know here like if you're playing against show and tell and legacy and you're like a lands deck right you know they have blood moon that is a right. card you can deal with and if you deal with it like you know the rest of your plan may be good against show and tell 
I'll mm-hmm. just get a Caracas, blah, blah, blah. I'll be fine, right? But, like, I've got to deal with the Blood Moon. So, yes, you have, like, answers to Blood Moon because, like, Show and Tell is not the only deck that's playing Blood Moon, and you have to have right. answers to that, right? But if it's just, like, well, what I'm doing doesn't line up well, don't waste your time. Yeah. Right? So, like, think about what needs to happen, right? So kind of identify what so in theory crafting identify what the the main decks are that you think you're going to play identify like where your holes are is it a fundamental issue then like don't burn too many calories and brain cells trying to fix it or like play a different deck devote that energy to some place where it matters instead of where it doesn't exactly and then focus on like what are the cards and sideboard plans of the decks i can beat that i need to address yeah. Right. Now, playtesting is a little different in that, like, instead of using theory, uh, like just theory crafting, right, you can just play a bunch of games and just get hit with the card that, like, beats you over and over and over again until you decide to, like, fix it. Yeah, it can it can be t- kind of tough though, especially when you're testing sideboard plans, mm-hmm. because you're not always guaranteed to draw your sideboard cards. True, but like I think it becomes easier to identify what the problem cards are and the problem oh, yeah, areas yeah, yeah. are. Like, what are the play patterns that get me in trouble in this matchup? Right, and then how do I address them? So, yeah. uh. Now, like, you can use playtesting, like, in in concert with theory crafting, right? You come up with what you think the plans are or what you think the, the bad cards are or bad play patterns, and then you play them and you see if you were right and if what mm-hmm. your ideas were worked or, like, you're like me and you're super lazy and you don't feel like changing your deck and then <laughs> you just keep losing to the same cards and the same general matchups over and over again. And you're like, I think this would make this matchup better, but that would require me to like open arena and like, <laughs> you know, make a copy of this deck and then make changes to the sideboard of the main deck. Yeah. Right. So like there's some theory crafting, but you're getting hit with like the play test data of, oh man, uh, I'm losing all the time to Shieldred. Like no other cards in this stupid red deck, red black deck matter except for Shieldred. I should probably have a few extra ways to kill Shieldred, right? Or like, oh man, I can beat Karuga Fires, but it would be nice if I had an answer to an Elishnorn, because if yeah. they Elishnorn me, nothing in my deck can kill an Elishnorn. Yeah. I guess I need to have an answer to Elishnorn. Yeah. Right. You uh, you also touched on something that you kind of glanced over, but I Uh-oh. think is also a little important, um, and that's that like. When you're doing your theory crafting and your play testing, sometimes the answer isn't super obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes the the actual problem with the deck isn't the namesake card or the combo or whatever. It's something that they do along the way. Where it, if you can interrupt that thing along the way, um, that might be a good sideboard plan as well. And I can't think of like a great example off there the top of my head definitely been some like weird pro tour cyborgs where yeah. like there was one recently where it's just like this super random card is like it totally fixes whatever our bad matchup was so yeah. our deck was better than every other creativity deck because we had 
four of these cards in our sideboard and it fixed this bad matchup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it might not be a single card shieldred Elish Norn, whatever. It yeah. might be like how the games play out. And then you have to kind of change how your deck is going to play. What right. would that be like, you know, um, Oh, they're going to play like, they're going to kill everyone on my threat. So I need to have some threats that are stickier. Right, mm-hmm. it's not any one thing about like any one card. It's like they play fifteen removal spells. I need to have stickier s- threats, some hexproof idiot, or yeah. something that's indestructible, or something where I can play it, and now they don't have a clean answer for it, and I can strand cards or yeah. like uh, decks that would go from having like a creature plan to maybe boarding out a lot of their creatures. And becoming more like planeswalker focused. So like, hey, yeah. all of your lightning bolts suck now because right. I'm just playing like, you know, things that give me value and don't die to one lightning bolt. Yeah. Or like your terminates are bad. A lot of times, like when I'm trying to explain sideboarding to somebody, um, like I'll reference my time piloting Jund because that's you know, one of my favorite decks that I've have the most experience with. And what that deck did a lot that I think is relevant when you're trying to come up with a sideboard plan and something that like people don't think about all the time is it didn't just like bring in and take out like hate cards and shuffle around like silver bullets for a matchup. Um, But it kind of altered the tempo of the deck as you sideboarded. So like part of its sideboard strategy was identifying whether you needed to be like bigger or faster than your opponent and then like moving cards around to accommodate that game plan and that's kind of more what i what i meant Mm -hmm. with sometimes like your plan isn't to deal with the namesake card or the combo like maybe it's to speed up a little bit maybe it's to slow down and go bigger bring in some more answers that kind of stuff yeah the like identifying in each game you need to identify like am i the beatdown but like in the matchup generally like, yeah. am I the beatdown or am I the control deck? Or, like, do I win more games if I make myself the control deck? Right. Right. So changing changing the play patterns, right? Yeah. Like, if they're expecting you to, like, go, like, one, two, three, maybe you go, like, you know, removal spell, removal spell, stickier threat or planeswalker where they're expecting you to go, like, you know, creature, creature, creature. Yeah. Right? So now their sweeper looks really bad because you just kill two things or like you know interactive spell card draw spell planeswalker and their supreme verdict now doesn't do anything yep uh so yeah just kind of changing how it plays out so i was like looking at like i've been playing a lot of elementals that's basically the only deck i play i play like elementals and then i fart around with other stuff when i get like an idea but like (laughs) i just keep going back to elementals it has its flaws but it is enjoyable Mm-hmm. So, like, I kept playing, and I would, like, I was losing a lot to, like, Shieldred out of red-black. Like I said before, only card that matters in the matchup. Like, yep. every card I play is, like, an 8-for-1. And then, like, Shieldred gets me because I'm 8-for-1-ing them, but also taking 2 each time <laughs> I do it. And it's right. like, oh, well, this isn't good. Uh, and then, like, Elish Norn, right? Like, so, Elish Norn makes it so none of my stuff works. Yeah, and at all. Yes, at all. It's like, here's a 4-mana four 4-4, four, four, no text, with a pretty picture. 
here's, here's a, a three mana one one. Yeah, here's a three mana one one. We did it. Um, so I had like an abrade in my sideboard, and I had Chandra Awakened Inferno, right? In a braid, a braid was like generic answer, kind of for mono green, kind of for like grease fang because it dealt three, mm. right? And uh, and then like Chandra was there mainly for blue white, like because you know it's gonna stick, and no yeah. big deal, right? But like, um, so with Shielder being a problem, the deck initially didn't have like a full play set of leyline of uh, leyline binding. So, like, in the main deck, I was like, well, I'm going to cut some of these uh, Bone Crusher Giants for Leyline Binding because I can cast Leyline Binding on two or three pretty consistently, so it kind of does Bone Crusher Giant things, mm-hmm. but it, like, kills a Shieldred, so Shieldred doesn't kill me. So, like, that was an adjustment they made to, like, the overall, like, main deck. Like, move some stuff out. Yeah. Get get more answers for, for the Shieldred, right? And then, like, the Abraid... I was like, I need more ways to kill a Shieldred. So, like, that's where, like, Destroy Evil came in. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I could bring in, like, the, like... Now, there are there are holes, but, like, it's like, okay, well, uh, bringing <clears throat> in the Abrade uh, maybe helps against Grease Fang mm-hmm. as, like, an extra answer. But having this Destroy Evil helps against Elish Norn, Fires of Invention, yeah. and uh, Shieldred. So, I was like, okay, I can, like, make that change. And then, um, uh, you know, Elish Norn, same kind of thing. Like, Chandra's good against control, but if they're if you're not playing against a bunch of control, right, it doesn't, like, come in, like, at all. Right. Like, it's just kind of there for control. So I was like, Ugin is what I settled on now. Uh, six mana Ugin, Ugin the Ineffable. He yeah. who should not be effed. Um, <laughs> right. Don't eff him. Kills a Shieldred. Kills an Elish yep. Norn. Yep. Makes two two dorks for uh, the control matchup that draw you cards. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's as not good great. because it, it can still get tagged with a disdainful stroke or whatever. It can. But... It can. But the the thought process was is it has more flexibility than like yeah. a Chandra. Like oh, it's the, way more flexible. The the deck is good against blue white control. Not great, but good again because every card if it resolves, I get paid. Right. So, like, eventually they run out of things. Yeah, make them answer everything. Yeah, just, like, play a spell, play a spell, play a spell, and eventually, like, stuff sticks and you start to snowball. So, like, you're kind of fine against blue-white, but it's a little more flexible. Maybe the right answer is Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that hides the Shieldred for a while to, like, make it not a problem to, like, snowball value. It hides an Elish Norn. It's also good against control, right? But, like identifying like what the problems were and then being like, well, what do I have to like move around in that same way? Like grease Fang is not a great matchup, right? Yeah. I, I want to play like a lot of games and take your will to live. And you want to, <laughs> and you want to play like a three turn game, usually my yeah. jam, but you want to play a three turn game and just get it over with. And so like I was playing bone crusher giants cause it's a two for one, mm-hmm. right? Like, so it's really good against red black, but kind of bad against like grease fang, where you have to deal through your die. Yeah, it doesn't really answer anything that matters in grease fang. Yeah, and so it was like, well, I could play a braid, but a braid doesn't hit planeswalkers, which then like makes it a, you a little bit worse against like um, 
oh gosh, what is it called? Oh, uh, like control, or like you know, they like Lily downtick, and then yep. you have it a braid, and you're like, well, I can't kill their Lily, right? I'm just gonna get like, like ground out by this now. So I've been trying like volcanic spite because it kills a grease fang. Uh, I'm playing an unreasonable number of lands in the deck to make all the landfall triggers. They're up to 30 right now. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah. And I have 16 creatures, but uh, we draw a lot of them. Um, yeah. And so, like, Volcanic Spite kills a Grease Fang, kills all the things that Bone Crusher Giant did, mm. lets me cycle away and land if, yeah. like, I'm, like, late in the game. So, like, just identifying, like, Bone Crusher is really good, but in the current, like, pioneer slash, like, explorer meta game, like, it can't kill a Supreme Phantom. It yeah. can't kill Grease Fang. It can't kill, like, not that they get played that much anymore, but a Graveyard Trespasser. Right. Right. It's also amazing how fast that card has fallen out of favor. <laughs> card was everywhere, and now it's, like, nowhere. Nowhere. Um... But, like, there's a bunch of things it doesn't get. So it's like, well, if the break point for damage for me is three, right, the cards that matter have three toughness, I can't play Bone Crusher Giant regardless of, like, like it's good against control because it is also a creature. Like, you can just play a 4-3. Yeah. But, like, if you just die to Grease Fang every time you play against it, you should probably try to shore that up a little bit. Right. Without, like, making it, like... Like, I don't think that, like... Getting rid of Bone Crusher to, like, help against Grease Fang and, like, Spirits and other things, like... It's not that, like, Grease Fang's unwinnable, so I'm devoting all these cards to a matchup that doesn't matter. It's like, I'm making myself slightly better against multiple matchups that have three toughness creatures. Or three toughness or like a planeswalker you can get the three like a combination of like play three lands for your omnath deal four damage and then get to like finish off their like uh kiora that they didn't like down take the previous turn yeah and you're like oh, okay like this card does something that i wouldn't be able to do otherwise so like identifying where, where your like pressure points are and mm-hmm. then figuring out what you need to do and like for on the upside of arena is if you do have a tournament you particularly standard since you have the whole format but that would require you to play standard and find like <laughs> seven other people that play standard but right you can just get so many games yeah that like the holes and flaws in your deck or in your matchups you get to see pretty quickly because you just get to go through so many games you just have to kind of be like paying attention yeah, as, as long as you can see the forest for the trees. Yeah, like, you know, to say, like, okay, I lost. Why did I lose? Like, yeah. how did this game play out that I lost? And it was like, if it's something where it's like, you know, oh, I was drawing th- two, three cards a turn, but they had a shieldred out, and I didn't draw away one of my four ways to answer a shieldred, I should maybe have more ways to draw a kill a shieldred because the rest of my deck lines up really well against a pile of one-for-one removal. Yeah. Right? Or things were going fine. Like, I was keeping up with the, like, value that Kahira, not Kahira, Karuga generates. Too many K companions. Uh, yeah. That Karuga generates. But then they played an Elish Norn, and I was like, oof, 
Now I can't, like, deal with that. So I should have an answer for Elishnorn or, like, try to make sure that the enchantments that they used to get Elishnorn don't come down. Yeah. And things like that. Like, I played Dovin's Veto. Like, maybe I should test, like, is Disdainful Stroke better? Like, do I just wish I could counter four drops as opposed to countering stuff uncounterably? Yeah, I mean, maybe. It just depends, right? Like, it's like... And then there's one thing to identify, like, maybe I should play Disdainful Stroke and it would be good against Shieldred, right? Like, oh, I could bring it in against, like, Red Black. But, like, do I want to bring it in against Red Black? And then what comes out, right? Like, are you diluting the rest of your deck by putting in a bunch of Disdainful Strokes against Red Black and now, like, the rest of your cards aren't as good? Well, that also kind of goes goes in line with what i was saying about like altering your game plan a little bit instead of just bringing in hate cards Mm -hmm. because if you're looking to bring in like a counter spell belongs in a very specific deck like even if you're blue a lot of times you don't necessarily want a counter spell um like i don't know that you play disdainful stroke in your elementals deck because that requires you to leave mana up on your opponent's turn and that's not really something that you want to do like you Mm want to be deploying your threats churning through your deck not like oh you know i could have gone you know two steps further this turn if i didn't have to leave two mana up to deal with whatever yeah but then there are some matchups where like you know maybe you just can't let a fires resolve Mm -hmm. and you have like like that's kind of the like good thing about like you know having a mix of like instant speed interaction or yep. just like growth spirals and leyline bindings, you can be like, okay, I can decide if this like, you know, if I Dovin's veto this thing, or Aether gusted or whatever, mm-hmm. because I have all this instant speed interaction. But if they don't do anything, I can cycle a triome or I can play a growth spiral or spiral yeah. spiral. There we go, word spabu uh, or something, <laughs> and. Uh, see what we're see see what you can do but you are right like there is definitely a cost of like okay i could have done more this turn but i'm like okay with like you have to be okay with the alternative Mm -hmm. and be like okay like if i get to if they don't do anything this turn i'm fine with like play something because like if you like get an elish norn down you just kind of get to win the game right Right, like, okay, like, if I can deal with this thing on four or, like, spook them and then stick my Elishnorn, then I don't care if they get, like, a Fires and a Karuga because it doesn't do anything. Right. Like, here's a 5-4. Block with my 4-7. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this bad Summit Prowler that you have. I guess that Summit that Prowler is, is a 4-3, but still. Yeah. Um, so, just, um, like, you know, changing your deck and being like, I'm going to hold up counter magic. What does that mean? I have to do for the rest of my deck. Right. Like what are like, cause there's, so I play, oh gosh, escape, escape to the wilds. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times that I cut that card that I'm like, you know, I'm going to get enough card advantage in this game to win, but there are certain things that I have to like be able to interact with. And this is too slow. Like yeah. I get enough advantage everywhere else. This card's too slow. I'm going to lower my curve, have more early interaction and do things that way. 
and then yeah. see how that goes. I mean, there's definitely like I would have been thinking like I wonder if like like something like change the equation where you're mm-hmm. like, oh hey, it's like really good against red and green, but like you can counter a supreme phantom, right? You can counter you know some little thing. It's like you know does that have enough flexibility that like it's better than aether ghost? Where you just Maybe. Like, counter your green thing. But then, like, I can bring it in in, like, other matchups. And it's like, yeah, I should probably test it. Like, this is where, like, you can think about it and theorize, but then you just have to, like, try to play some games. See what happens. Yeah. So, Arena's really good for, I'm going to play, like, 10 matchups in, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. And, like, you know, you just have to keep an open mind to, like, what happened what were the cards that mattered? What were the decisions that mattered? And then try to figure out like how to implement that information. Yeah. And don't just be like, I won four games in a row. Like there's definitely times where like I'll win like a couple matches in a row. And it's like, I probably didn't deserve those. Like <laughs> I didn't do this yeah. right. Or like I got lucky that like I top deck that answer. It's like, well, that's why it's in the deck. It's like, yeah, but like I could have maybe played around that better and not been in that situation. But like being like objective in like like how things went, just be like, well, I won, so deck's great, or like, oh, I lost, so deck's awful, mm-hmm. right? And like, also, don't make hasty decisions. Like, I think yesterday, I think I played against like blue white spirits and mono white, like four matches in a row. <clears throat> Right and like, don't be like, oh, I hate losing these decks. I'm gonna bring in a bunch of deafening clarions and uh, rending volleys, and then it's the best way to never see that deck again. Exactly, like yeah, put in a bunch of uh, oh, what is his name? Oh gosh, the new guy that the new Thrun that like can't yeah. be countered and just like all right, spirits, and then just you never play against a counterspell deck again. You just play against like Gruel Aggro, and that card just looks awful. Right, but you're like. But uh, I didn't want to lose to that anymore. Right? Like, if over the course of, like, a week or two weeks, like, you're like, wow, I play against a lot more mono-white, maybe, like, you're seeing the metagame shift and you should, yeah, I mean, like, it's got to be, like, a macro thing. Yeah. Like, was there a new card? Did something, yeah. like, in the... Or has the deck been built differently? Is there yeah. something in the metagame that has shifted... Right, like the deck all over Twitter all of a sudden. Yeah, kind of like, you know, red white convoke. Mm-hmm. Right, like that deck was everywhere, and it popped up on arena every so often. It's kind of missing like <clears throat> a key card to be like an explorer deck, but yeah. like, you know, there is something that like a bunch of one mana doofuses or zero mana doofuses, a bunch of tokens, are showing up for a very particular reason. And like, okay, maybe I need to adjust my deck to deal with all these tokens, which is why like a lot of the blue-white control decks were playing temporary lockdown. Mm-hmm. Sweep them up. Sweep them up, right? Doesn't matter how big you get them from venerated loxodon. Yep. All of those go away, and now you have like one big threat to deal with, and like that's what control decks are like built to do. Right. Is deal with one big threat. It's like cool. I could totally kill one thing but like if there hadn't been all that buzz and you just saw like a red white tokens deck that beat you right like oh man the meta that game's red white tokens it's like well no it's like one random deck yeah 
but like if has something fundamentally changed. So <clears> don't like overreact to like one match or whatever. Yep. So hopefully that was useful. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. Been a long time uh, since I thought about playing cards. <laughs> yeah, I think it was since the last time we did our learning to play series, right? That was the last yeah. time we really dove into sideboarding. Yeah, like sideboarding and like how to change your deck and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just whatever you're playing, like always be thinking about like what could what card would be better here? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I drew this sideboard card, but would it have been better as something else? Or like, man, I wish I could take this card out. What could I bring in for it in this matchup that would be impactful? Yeah, and like really these are the hard the hardest decisions to make that make the least impact, if you know what I mean. Like you're I, I shouldn't say the least impact, but if you're like if you're trying to nail it down your deck list for a tournament, um, I have spent way more time agonizing over my seventy fourth and seventy fifth card than I have my one through sixtieth cards. Yeah, where you're just trying to like, you know, what? Where am I gonna like get this little edge? Yeah, but sometimes it is. And that's just what that. I meant is the little edge. A, a lot of times, all you're doing is looking for the smallest edge. And, and like, like tough. you said, like playing, like play testing sideboarded games, you don't always draw your sideboard cards. Yeah. So like, it makes it w- even harder. Was it a good sideboard plan or was it a bad sideboard plan? I don't know. I didn't draw the card. Right. Yeah. And you and know, if you're play testing, like a lot of times, it's not exactly the funnest thing to play against your bad matchups. <laughs> Yes. Where you're trying to gain points. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I just get crushed every game. I'm going to do this for three hours. But if I draw this one card, yeah, my matchup gets a little bit better. Yeah. Right? And like you said, that, that like one like silver bullet that you might draw, right? Like you could play that matchup three times in the tournament mm-hmm. and never draw your sideboard card. Yeah. And your sideboard card was 100%, plan was 100% right, but you didn't draw never saw it. the the answer, right? Like, I yeah. need to draw a sweeper. I need to draw end the festivities, and I would get to beat red-white tokens. Yeah. And, like, you have two of them in your deck, and you just never draw them. Yeah. And, like, it's like, oh, well, that, that happens. Or, you know, you, like, play your, play your uh, uh, deafening clarion, but it is, um, oh, what is it called? It, uh, they have like they have like a three four. Yeah. And like I can't I can't kill this now. Like the stupid oh gosh. The werewolf that gives everything haste in plus one yeah. plus oh. But uh flips into a three four mm-hmm. and like, you know, it's night and they play it and then you cast your thing and you're just like, Oh, I guess I lose now because I couldn't kill this thing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh so yeah. So just like be be mindful when you play. I think that like Jerry Thompson talks about like always try to learn something. Like mm-hmm. when you're playing, like I mean, that's try just to learn life, life advice in general. Yeah, but like don't just play to like play. You can, but if, like if you're trying <clears> to get better, like try to play to like learn something. Like is this card good? What yeah. matters? What matters in this matchup? Is it you a single card? Is it a single card? Is it like the play pattern, like what matters. So with all that, I think we got a show. I think we have a show. 
So if you uh, want to have some input on what next week's show might be, we would appreciate it. So get at us on social media. All those links are in the description. Yeah, we would greatly appreciate it. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about. We're here for you. Oh, we are also accepting one of one rings. Uh, we will sure. we will give you our address. You can send them right on over. Uh, I, don't, or, I don't even care if they're fake or not. You can send me a fake one of one ring. <laughs> and then we'll I'll hang it off. up over here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, that background is like 25 feet from his head. Like, he's uh, way, yes. way far from that back wall. <laughs> way far. I mean, I'll put it there if you send me one. It needs to be really big so we can see it. <laughs> You'd never know if it was just a forest. Yes. So, right. yeah. Uh, if you got any show ideas, hit us up. Um, if you're looking to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. The first is with our TCG Player affiliate link, casualtryhard.com slash TCG. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion in Discord last week. Somebody was asking about the affiliate link. It has changed from what it used to be, so make sure you're using the correct link. Casualtryhard.com slash MTG. No, TCG. Um, slash TCG. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. Slash TCG. Casualtryhard.com slash TCG. Um, that link will bring you to TCG Player. And anything you purchase after following that link will help to support the show. So we would appreciate it if you did that. It doesn't cost you guys anything else. You're going to be buying stuff anyway. You might as well help us out at the same time. Yes, please. Uh, if you want to support us more directly, if you think we do a great job and you want to show us that you know we're doing a great job, uh, patreon.com is how you can do that. Patreon.com slash MTG is the site. Head on over there. Chip in as much as you feel comfortable. Um, the tiers don't really mean a whole lot. They all kind of do the same thing. So it's just whatever whatever you think we're worth. Patrons get access to our show notes, so you get a sneak peek about what the upcoming week's episode is going to be about. You also get about another hour's worth of content out of us because we record our pre-show raw and unedited for your enjoyment. You have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about. Sometimes it's shopping trips to Target. Sometimes it's all bridges all the time. Um, it's really, really a crapshoot. You never know. Uh, sometimes it's magic, too. Sometimes. sometimes it's just more of the episode. Um, also, patrons get put on my mailing list for when I have swag to send out. Uh, probably in July sometime, there should be another round going out. So if you want to jump in before that happens... Patreon.com slash casual MTG. Show us you love us. Yeah. All right. So with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. 